Well, good morning. <clears throat> it's a real uh, pleasure to be here with you this morning and to uh, think together about being ready for the call. When I decided to be a teacher, I felt I was ready and I had the call to teach. So, <clears throat> way back when, I applied to Teachers College at the U of T in the building that is now UTS, University of Toronto School. To my surprise, my application was turned down. How could they turn me down? Don't they know I'm born to teach? Well, quite simply, I had neglected to submit one of the requirements of my application. And I just had to face the fact that, you know, it's well and good to be convinced that you're ready. But you also have to pay attention to paperwork and details. Well, later on, I got my first job in the Durham board, and I was a high school French immersion teacher. I was excited. The first week of school, I greeted a veteran teacher in the, in the office, and he asked me what I was teaching, so I said, well, French immersion, to which he retorted, oh, no, not another Frenchie. Well, that was my first challenge to being enthusiastic for teaching, and there have been many more since then. But I know I'm called to teach. As we consider our readiness for the call, let me start with another story. It's a story of a teacher who seems to have lost her sense of call to teach. A couple of years ago, as recorded on YouTube, a mature high school student and former dropout named Jeff Bliss began to question his world history teacher as to why she never actually stood up and taught the class. Well, how are they supposed to learn from reading handouts all day? Upon which the teacher asked him to leave the classroom for being rude. And as he walked toward the exit, he really needed to let his teacher know what he was feeling. He said, you want kids to get excited? You want a kid to change and start doing better? You got to touch his freaking heart. When you come in here and make a statement like, this is my paycheck, well, this is my education. And since I got here in this class, I've done nothing but read packets. And I wonder about this teacher. I wonder how she got there. I'm quite sure she didn't start out that way, sitting at her desk, looking for her paycheck, telling students to fill out the blanks in the package. I wonder, who is she listening to for direction? Who's she really there for? How did she lose her inspiration? What happened to her call? So what about you? Are you ready? Will the call last? Well, to all these questions, we can get some clues by looking at Deborah that we just read about in the Old Testament. While she wasn't a teacher, but her calling certainly relates to us as teachers. First, Deborah shows us that it's important to listen to God's call, but we can't really do that unless we choose not to listen to certain other voices. Some voices around us can be negative, discouraging. They can limit our ability to hear God. 
Deborah's call from God came in the midst of many competing voices. It was a time of national humiliation under the domination of a foreign military state. The leaders at the time were on the defensive, afraid to stand up for themselves. We're talking about a depressed community. Not unlike some aspects of our public education today, where many teachers feel overwhelmed, powerless in the face of raging political conflicts. There are certain voices out there that, if we listen to them, will sap the light, life right out of our call. Well, Deborah heard God calling her to lead the nation to liberation, but there were an overwhelming number of voices that could have easily discouraged her. For example, the voices of the trained, experienced military men who had lost the will to fight. The voices of clan leaders around her who were saying, we have to look after our own backyards. We don't want to engage in a losing battle with an enemy ten times our strength. In other words, the voice of defeat, anxiety, maybe even her inner voice saying, I love my people, but I don't know if I have what it takes to step out into this calling. After all, she had no experience. She wasn't a national leader. How was this inexperienced lady supposed to take charge of an entire army and make a lasting difference? Well, Deborah shows us that you really can't mix the voices in your head if you're going to be ready for your call. Choose not to listen to the voices of giving up and fear. Deborah drew wind into her sails by letting God's voice hold her attention more than all the negative voices. So she left her comfort zone, she put all her gifts to use, and she allowed herself to be stretched beyond anything she had ever done and trusted God for bigger stuff. Is there a voice you need to turn off in your head so you can hear God who wants to use you for bigger stuff? Let's listen to God as we sing. Another point of readiness is who we're really here for. Deborah was there for a powerless group of people who didn't really believe in themselves or even in God for success. She had every reason to say, look, your refusal to believe in your potential for success is your problem, not mine. But she kept the needs of her people in front of her. She was driven by compassion for those who needed someone to believe in them. In educational language, we say, putting students first. Her sense of compassion welled up in from who she was. She was a kind of mother bear figure. She says, I arose a mother in Israel. She stepped into her calling as a mother, longing for the well-being of the children of Israel who were cruelly oppressed. Her maternal compassion was aroused when she sensed fear around her, so much insecurity that we read even the highways were abandoned. As the gatherer of this broken community, she was willing to stand up on their behalf and fight off the cause of their fear. Who are we really here for? Look at a modern-day Deborah. 
Her name is Marcia Dionisio, a grade four teacher who went through Hurricane Sandy in 2013. She lost her classroom to the disaster and the school. All the school supplies, including the readers, were covered in mud and water. So she started over from scratch. She developed a curriculum from one novel she found enough copies of and taught geography and art through the novel in a different location. She didn't let the circumstances stand in the way. Interestingly, she had lost her own home in the hurricane as well. Well, why didn't she just take a leave of absence and focus on rebuilding her house? Or wait until the school was safe enough with the right kind of equipment? These questions, though understandable, were not foremost in her mind. She focused on her students' well-being. Well, I hope you never lose your home to a hurricane. But for sure, you will face different kinds of mini-hurricanes along the way. There will be challenging students, difficult parents, unsupportive administrators, labor disputes, even sometimes vindictive colleagues. But through it all, will students be your first concern? If compassion really motivates us to action, we'll give more than just politically correct lip service to putting students first. In public education, collective agreements often put teachers first. And it will cost you to really put students first because sometimes the main issues seem to be about money, prep time, more administrative tasks to perform, having one's own classroom. And these things can eat away at the priority of being there for students. Well, consider Egerton Ryerson, the person behind the name on Ryerson University. He was the great Ontario education reformer of the 19th century. For him, being there for students cost him a lot of bad press. He started his teaching career among the Chippewa indigenous people of the Credit River. He valued education for all, not just the elite of the day who had exclusive access to schooling. As a result, he wasn't really appreciated by the elite who liked things the way they were. His compassion for those who had no access to education was ridiculed as ignorant and disruptive of the system of the time. When he became superintendent of schools in Upper Canada, one of the leaders of the time wrote this, it is not flattering to the many learned men of a country that this man of slender attainments and totally ignorant of mathematics and classics should be entrusted with the education of the country. Well, what did he do? He went on to lay the foundation for one of the best education systems in the world. Don't let your heart for those whom you serve be scared away from compassion. Keep it alive with God's help. Let's invite God's Spirit to keep compassion alive in us as we sing. Our readiness for the call also depends on what inspires us to keep looking up and outside of ourselves. What will inspire us to keep going when under pressure from institutional demands, people who abuse power, from the daily grind of the classroom, management, 
assessments, prepping, extracurricular duties. Well, Deborah's inspiration was actually a song. It was a song like Arteze's song, a song of the heart. Deborah's personal power to endure through national upheaval was kept alive through nurturing a song in her heart. She says, I will sing to the Lord. Is your heart able to sing? A song that touches our spirit can inspire us, lift us up, help us connect with others and to God's heart. In the face of chaos and weakness, Deborah says, Hear this, you kings. I, even I, will sing to the Lord. Her heart is free to sing. Even her battle cry is set to music. And she sings it out as a bold statement of her faith to the people in power. She holds no illusions about herself. Remember, she says, even I, a woman without experience, weapons, not capable of defeating the Canaanites. She and her troops were vastly outnumbered, but she can sing because her confidence is outside of herself. She listened to God against the odds. She fanned into flame her compassion for her people, and her inner confidence grew as she sang out what God could do. Well, the end of the Deborah story is the Canaanite army is assembled in the valley along the Kishon River to crush that tiny Israelite army. Then a storm hits. The waters flooded the plain, and the Canaanites were forced into flight. Deborah's army chased them down and won. Now, you may not be engaged like Deborah in any kind of military battle, but there are plenty of battles to be waged for the mines and the emotional well-being of students. Deborah's spirit is here cheering us on with these words in chapter 4. Has the Lord not gone ahead of us? We need to hear that. Has the Lord not gone ahead of us? Has the Lord not gone ahead of you? Make that your song. Let that be your inspiration. A few years ago, in an especially stressful time of my teaching career, a song helped me to keep believing the Lord was ahead of me. I didn't know if I had a future in education anymore. But some words from the Psalms kept me thinking beyond myself and committed to stay the course. I realized in retrospect that the Lord was ahead of me, creating new opportunities out of impasses. Well, thousands have been inspired by the songs of a man by the name of Philip Melanchthon, another education reformer who was a friend of the great Reformation leader Martin Luther in the 1530s. How? Well, he wrote a song for teachers, and he wrote it as a reminder that we fight a spiritual battle for the minds and hearts of students. He calls his students, thy little flock. And it's an old form of English, but listen to the lyrics. 
Angel hosts thou didst create, their whole delight is but to be with thee, Lord Jesus, and to keep thy little flock, thy lambs and sheep. The ancient dragon is their foe, so now he subtly lies in wait to ruin school and church and state. But watchful is the angel band to guard this people where they go and break the counsel of the foe. Melanchthon kept up the fight for the protection and progress of learning in his day. What will inspire us today? Well, I bet there are some among you who could even write a song to inspire us teachers this year. Who knows? And as we sing our final round of the Teze prayer, let's keep singing when fearful voices surround us, when frustrated students are not heard, when inspiration for our call wavers, when we need to struggle to see God ahead of us. Ready for the call? Who will you not listen to so you can hear God? Who will you really be there for? What will inspire you to keep going? Come, Holy Spirit. <laughs>